This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Yannick Mangel. And I'm Luc-Olivier Dumoulin. And our topic this week is... The... Oh, I think the best way to put it is introducing myself to Twitch. Wow. I never thought I'd see the day. I know, I know. Uh, but first we have some follow-up. Yes, we do. So my first item is in past episode we talk in great length about Niantic and they and their AR games. And last week the company teased the latest game they'll release, Ingress Prime, which is a major update to their first game, Ingress. Uh, this update should come quote in 2018. And it seems to be the same type of AR game that Ingress and Pokemon Go is, but just with more feature. So I'll put the link in the show notes uh, for the teaser video and also to uh, a Diverge article to give more details about it. But because right now it's mostly a teaser and we don't do, don't know too much, um, the teaser video is kind of vague and uh, trying to have action-y without it to be, without it being kind of an action game. So that's quite strange, but at the same time interesting for that Niantic's first uh, AR game to be updated in Greenland. You, you actually just reminded me of something that I heard on a podcast last week and that is technically related, so I'll bring it up now. Uh, did you hear about how they made people unlock ho in Pokemon Go? Oh, uh, no. Okay, so there was this event, I think it was a week, a week and a half ago, where they basically said... Everybody together on Pokemon Go needs to catch 3 billion Pokemon and we will unleash Ho-Oh. And I think if you actually like did the math to like how much progress they had made versus like how much progress was left, I think every user of Pokemon Go would that had ever signed up would have to catch 23 Pokemon more to actually get this thing to happen. And everyone was a little bit worried like the number was really really big and people weren't sure that uh, they would reach it. So what it en- ended up happening is they reached it in like a week. And it's mostly due to the Japanese users, which have never mostly stopped playing Pokemon Go and have been playing like crazy in train stations all over Japan, catching Pokemon all day long. And they got to the amount, so they just deployed ho And now there's another legendary in Pokemon Go uh, that you can go catch. Which is kind of amazing to see the power of a dedicated community like that. <laughs> yeah, I think at the, at this point, uh, yes, there was kind of a big phenomenon that it uh, that Pokemon Go was, but at this point, it kind of like went back down its uh, curve, and now it's, I would say it's it's plateaued and stabilized, and the people that still use it either daily or frequently enough to be part of the stats for the company. This is like, they're, those are the core user of the game. Yep, really impressive stuff from the Pokemon Go fandom. I know you have some follow-ups, so let's go through yours. Yep, so first up, follow-up for episode 61, which was about uh, DJ hardware and software ecosystems. There is a new DJ, DJ app out for the iPad this week, which is very exciting to me. It's called Soda, and it's by a company you probably haven't heard of called Zero Debug. Uh, it's a company that specializes in software that turns your iPad into a controller for other music software on usually your desktop or laptop computer. And their big features in those apps is you had a fully customizable UI. So they sort of built a DJ app where the big appeal of this app is there's a UI editor in it and you can make it look exactly the way you want. You can put buttons exactly where you want and you can use it with any medium mappable DJ controller. Uh, 
And w- what makes this even better is that this application supports up to eight decks at once, which means you basically have the only app in the world that is a fully customizable UI for eight DJ decks at once. Uh, and if you are the kind of user who ha- wants that many decks at once, then you probably are very interested in being able to customize how you interact with them. It seems incredibly fully featured. Uh, the only thing that I'm a little bit concerned about is the quality of sound effects, uh, because usually that is where no-name DJ software sort of falls off, is their effects sound really cheap. Uh, I unfortunately haven't had the chance to play around with it yet, but I look forward to playing around with it through winter break, and I will put a link to a DJ Tech Tools article about it in the show notes. Uh, next up is an update on episode 75, which was about Gran Turismo's Mort. During that episode, we talked about driver level, which is how they qualify players by their skill. and ba- uh, Not qualify, but classify players by this, their skill. So I think... Both of us were D, right? Uh, y- yes, yes. Yeah. So, uh, what they found out is that too many of the players were in the low end of the scale, and they wanted to spread out players more. So they put out a patch that would just basically adjust it so people would be spread out more evenly throughout the distribution of players. This is sort of normal for any game with ranked multiplayer, uh, and we were just a little bit concerned that wasn't going to happen for GT Sport, but it's here, and now we're just all greatly awaiting GT Tour mode, because when that comes out, I have something to do again, because I beat the campaign this weekend. So, looking forward to that. Oh, and related to this update, too, uh, one of the one of the uh, issues I had with the esports aspect of the game that I discussed in Grand Lake in this episode was that when your sportsmanship rating would go down in an event, you wouldn't know why exactly, or if you were the only one being accused of cause of doing something wrong and part of this patch uh the game will now tell you when another player is also affected by the sportsmanship going down because of a specific action so imagine you're doing like a bumper uh, like a rear end collision and it's kind of both of the driver the fault or the game doesn't know which fault which player's fault it is it will tell both players that their opponent's sportsman's SR is going down and also if the the game needs to apply a time penalty will also tell the other player what was the timed penalty applied to their bad action so i think they're like slowly but surely moving into the right uh, direction for uh, bringing more esport features to make this game really uh, competitive compared to other uh, esports game and this is uh, really nice to see and gives me more uh, gives big brings me some faith back that this game soon enough will get where it should have been at launch yeah it's it's really weird because one of the things that happens a lot these days and we sort of saw seen this with destiny 1 in the past and other games like that is that games that have a big online component tend to suck at launch and be pretty good a year and a half, two years out. And it just kind of sucks that it takes a massive reputation hit at launch, and sometimes it never actually gets to recover that reputation as the game gets better, uh, which is why you need open-minded players to actually come back to the game regularly and check in and see if it got any better. Um, unfortunately, that's not very common in the gaming world these days, but yeah, that's the way things are. 
And I do feel like gamers like me that are more casual than some others kind of start to forget about this new trend because every time I play online games that start with uh, lacking some features at their launch, I'm like, oh my god, it's missing feature, blah, 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 and I just drop. And then a couple of months later or after the first few big patches get released, I'm like, oh yeah, they're slowly but fixing the issue because in a way... They want to make sure that if if it's worth it to, I, I guess that's my understanding. And also with our programming background, it does make sense, right? If you just start with something small and you make sure that there's something viable out there for it to be, then you can start investing more time to fix those issues and uh, even add new features to your software. So last thing before we go into the main topic is a reminder that our next episode, episode 79, which is going to be released on December 24th, will be about the 2006 anime series Bartender. And if you're interested in watching the show, you can follow along with the next episode. Uh, Check our show notes for a link to a YouTube playlist with all 11 episodes of the show that you can watch. And then you'll be all caught up and be able to uh, listen to us talk about it on the next episode. Good. So we will start to talk about the main topic for today, which is me starting to be a Twitch user. Wow. And um, to be honest, I think we should start. I will start with an anecdote. So let's start with this. So uh, a couple of days, I think it's either today or yesterday, I sent a tweet regarding somebody, not complaining, but making... making fun of Destiny 2 and its lack of updates and feature and the de- disappointment that it is, according to a lot of people. I haven't played to it, but I think we have a full episode about Yannick complaining about Destiny 2. I, but- I held back from actually making follow-up about that this episode, so be happy, everyone. <laughs> but uh, the gist of this tweet that I think I could put the link in the show, but this, the gist of this tweet is the, the guy uh, is saying that with the latest updates in um, oh my goodness! I'm blanking out on the name of the, the game. The division. Thank you, the division. Hey, we, we and reviewed reviewed it, and I'm blanking out. But still, the division latest update, which I haven't tried yet, is making the game what Destiny 2 should be. And with my reflection with Grand Turismo's parts and the fact that I was quite pissed after its launch and after we played uh, maybe 10, 15 hours, I've decided that for the next kind of online games and the next maybe major title where I could want to invest some money, that maybe I should start to look at what they, what they look like as a player do and not just uh, base my opinion on a game only for the reviews. And the major culprit for this to happen was the latest Wolfenstein game. And uh, I think Yannick and I talked a lot about it quite uh, on our private chat room. And Yannick was kind of, ah, you really want to play to this game? I'm like, ah, it looks interesting. And there's a lot of quite uh, interesting marketing around it. <laughs> and my, my opinion, by the way, is not that this game is bad or anything like that. It's just I see enough politics as is today that I don't want to play a game about effectively today's politics i mean it's not exactly today's politics but you know what i mean right and i think you had the same exact point with when we played the division right yeah that at some point you start to feel sick of the (laughs) game not because of the because it's a ubisoft game but more because of kind of that too (laughs) yes but at first it was more because it was 
the political situation where it is made you sick and at some point you want to see nice stuff that doesn't remember that our world is fucked so without going to that route too much this is where i decided to uh create an account on twitch and all of this like the inception of this podcast all started with a tweet that is five days old which is yannick posting the wandering emoji at as a reply as a mention to me and a screenshot of my twitter uh, twitch account asking for uh it's a friend request for my uh twitch account and i kind of tease that we should talk about it and that's what we're going to be doing right now so already there i have to correct you because you said that there is some gamer lingo that seems to confuse you on Twitch, and I'm going to try to teach you this gamer lingo. Uh, so okay, the, the, that's the good. thinking emoji is actually colon thinking colon because that's what everybody uses to make it show up in Discord, which is the chat app that all the gamers use. Oh, okay. So it's thinking. So it's well, thinking I, I, emoji. I think it's also named this way in Slack, so that would make sense. Okay, you can carry on. Yes. Uh. So yeah. So uh, main reason. So. All of this started because I wanted to know more about Wolfenstein, the new col. Oh crap! I should have. It's the new Colossus. The, the new Colossus. Thank you. I knew it was the new something because I think the first game is the New Order. So that I think I remembered it was the new something. So the new Colossus. And for maybe the last two weeks, I was mainly using the web app, and I was like, "Oh yes, I should." kind of download the app on my iPad and realize that the <laughs> iOS app and, and there will be a separate discussion about the app itself but I realized that you cannot use it without being logged in. Yeah, that's really weird because the old app didn't have that. And we I'll go in, in, into a tangent about it when we talk about the app itself but I was like, you know what? I've been a, a Prime sus, uh, subscriber for what, a year at this point? Oh, exclamation point prime. Uh, oh, okay. Good, Come on. Good keep, memes. Keep the, yes, keep the lingo for later. <laughs> keep the lingo. Come on, okay? Let me just go through the why I start using the, the Twitch app and uh, creating an account, and then we can do, go with the rest. But yeah, so I was like, ah, at this point, uh, I know there's some uh, benefits, not only on Amazon, but on Twitch itself. So maybe I should uh, investigate what are those. And then I decided to create an account. And that's kind of where we are right now. So I think I've watched mostly Wolfenstein live stream. Yes. Maybe a couple of more games because obviously when you create your account through the app, it also like, uh, uh, wants you to select some of your favorite games and they, they always show up when you want to uh, search for streams to watch. And I've uh, selected a couple, but mainly I've only watched streams from games that I don't own that are on the top of my end on my mind right now that I would like to buy. Uh, Wolfenstein is the first one and the other one that I played with friends in a bar a couple of months ago is Overcooked. And uh, strangely enough, I don't know why but uh, e either it's because there's less people streaming it but the most time I watched stream it, they all looked like quite boring but the game is super like it's amazing it's super funny to play with uh, friends so the reason why I'm making the distinction between those two games is the reason why I wanted to look at stream is really to get the feel of the game and not a, like a review based field of the game I really want to see what people people experience by playing the game itself and also get the better vibe of the game 
by seeing the real footage of the game, which uh, confronted me with my first problem with not Twitch, but just like live streaming video game as a whole, is if you do that for games you want to play and there's kind of a quote-unquote story behind the game, you'll get spoiled. So it, yeah, of course... I was going to point that out, because it, when you said, like, I want to watch Wolfenstein, I'm like, why are you going to watch a story-based game? It's like, it makes no sense to go watch a story-based game on Twitch unless you don't want to play the game. Yeah, I, I know, I, and I kind of realized that a bit too late that uh i think i realized that yesterday and i won't spoil what's happened but i think something something big's happened i'm like oh crap <laughs> maybe i shouldn't have watched streams about it because now like what i've realized too after like watching a couple of streams like daily so like um is you pick up like a lot of streamers will start from like from the beginning and they will the the, the gist of their streams are that they will stream the whole process of playing through the campaign and they will do maybe two or three hours per day or like per two days and have a specific schedule about it but uh since i was not following specific people yet it, it felt to me that sometimes it was like oh i've seen this part of the game so let's let's go like let's go another stream and i'm sure if i end up playing the game like i'll remember portion of the game, but I'm sure when they when they'll happen, like my, I'll remember. Oh, okay, this like portion A happens after B after C, and then when I watched it, it was like maybe B C A or something like that. If you understand what I mean, so I'm sure I'm getting spoiled about the story, but I'm sure the order and the way it's presented in order will make more sense. So um, since I realized that that late, I've decided that in the future for more story-based games that if I decide to watch live stream to see if I like the game or not I will assume that if from what I've from what I've watched from the reviews which usually they stay completely away of spoilers but while like telling you and giving you a synopsis of the story if that is not enough for me to just say oh I need to buy this game I'll accept the trade-off of saying, oh, I need to see a couple of spoilers to get me through the story to maybe, like, make me more curious about the game for me to buy it. So I want to stop you right there because I feel like generally if there is a game that has a notable enough story that it is going to be interesting to play, and I, I, I mean, you should probably know this if you're listening to the show, but I personally don't really care about story in video games. It's not. You do not. You do not. And I think that's the main differentiating no, differentiate point. Th- that, that's the thing. Like, I find out about which games have the interesting stories because I hang out in gamer forums and I see YouTubers who make videos about specific moments in the story that were important to them or stood out to them. And I think that piques my curiosity way more than if I just watch someone play through the story of a, of a game. Because that, then you have specific uh. anecdotes, and in certain cases, like, yeah, there's going to be spoilers in a video, but, like, it, since I don't really care about the spoilers, like, I often watch the videos anyway to see what the point they're trying to make is, and, like, often they'll take entire scenes and basically put them in context and explain, like, this is why this is interesting, or uh, this is the literal uh, literary trope that they used in this section or whatever. And there is interesting discussion and criticism of the stories of video games that exists out there, and I think if you were exposed to more of that, 
you would sort of have those games on the radar where it's like, this is a story game you should probably be checking out. And then you would have opinions of people that you trust. And then you could just buy games blind, just trusting that the people you like actually have good taste in games, which is sort of how I roll. All right. And as I said, I think what you're just describing is, I wouldn't say the next step, but kind of a, a couple of steps down the road, right? Since I'm getting all introduced to this new world, which is not that new because I've spent all of my th other video time like watching a shit ton of like car videos stuff, which is th there's some relation we can put to it, which I want to keep for later. But my point is that a lot of those things still apply. All of those things still apply, and maybe the fact that I start with Twitch first, which is more like live stream and not put in context, will make me learn about those people that I will then start to follow more and maybe follow them on the other social network to see those types of video and to better help me plan my future purchases. Well, I don't want to steal your thunder, but I think there is a difference in sort of the role that Twitch plays as live entertainment versus YouTube, which is mostly pre-recorded slash edited entertainment. And I think that hmm. there is an important distinction there where if you're watching Twitch, you're not really going to get, with very few exceptions, um, like you're not going to get very thought out stuff. It's mostly going to be comedy slash off the cuff commentary more than anything else. Or if you're lucky, sometimes there's developer commentary, which is very interesting, except often it happens like before I finish playing the goddamn game. So I'm like, I'm not going to go watch the developer talk about the spoilers in his game before I'm finished beating the game. And then the archive video is gone. So uh, that's fun when you catch it, but sometimes it's hard. Right. And let me maybe take a small tangent here because you're talking about recordings and it's felt to me that in my week of like going through like at the eye level on Twitch, it feels to me that there's no back catalog of like if you're following somebody. No, there and is. You... Oh, there is. Okay. So let me explain it because it's sort of complicated. So you can go watch the last week of streams generally uh, just by going on their profile page. However, t the Twitch app on mobile makes it very hard to distinguish what links with a user's name go to the stream versus go to their profile page. But if you actually click the right link, you go to their profile page and there's a list of all their streams from the last week. However, uh, they recently made a thing where you can select specific streams to make them paid archives. And sometimes you have to pay a subscription of either 5 10 or $25 a month to actually get to see those paid archives. And I don't think you can make all your streams paid archives, but you can, like, delete the streams that are not paid archives to effectively do that, I think. Um, but that's more or less the system that exists on Twitch. Mm -hmm. Co compared to, and I think part of this episode will compare it to what YouTube is, but also what the YouTube equivalent of Twitch is. And, oh, God. Uh, yes, I, I know you have a lot of comments about it, but what I, what I like here is, what I, I'm not sure if I would like that, but the archive is, like, not the main feature of Twitch. Like, Twitch as a company don't want their user to watch recordings. They always want to watch to well, live content. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure. That's the feeling about I that. got. But that's the feeling I get well, at this point. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. feeling I get. Well, it's weird because they keep putting more and more effort behind features for, uh, like, 
last year they added that you can upload videos to Twitch now, which don't have to begin on your stream. So you can just use it like YouTube and upload random videos to it. But in practice, like nobody watches those videos. Um, but you can do it. Uh, you can replay chat now during, uh, during, um, re- uh, stream recordings in the archive. Which is neat for certain things. Uh, we'll talk about the chat later, I'm sure. Uh, we will. Uh, yeah, so there's all those features where sort of they're banking more on archived content, but it's strange because live stream is often the focus. And also another thing that is very important to notice uh, to note is that if you play copyrighted music on your stream, which a lot of people do, the audio is going to be muted for your stream on the archive. And that means it's just an archive of basically one long three three to six hour animated GIF of someone playing a video game with no audio, which really sucks. Uh, so oh, yeah, you mentioned that privately that in the past. That disincentivizes people from actually checking the archive sometimes. Uh, and there are some streamers that, which unfortunately, like, start streaming, like, an hour before I leave work. So I always miss, like, the first hour, hour and a half of their stream. And I can't go watch it because it's muted. And it's fury- infuriating. So, so it's fine while it's live stream, but it's really when they say, oh, I want this to be in my archive, that the Twitch bots go through the video and see if there's uh, copyrighted music, and then they just like mute the whole audio. Yep. There's one exception, which is clips. So I don't know if you've encountered this feature. Uh, you can press a button at any time on Twitch, either on mobile or on desktop, to create what is a clip, which is basically like a 10-second vine of what just happened. Uh, yes, I saw that by accident. Okay. And uh, that does not get muted audio because it's 10 seconds. So they're like, fuck that. We're not going to bother. Uh, so th- that can be nice sometimes if there's something really funny that happens on the stream. You can go watch the clip later um, and not have to worry about the audio being muted. But that's sort of the only loophole. Okay. Um, let's go on this tangent because I really want to know what do you get out of it right now mine is quite limited right like there's a it's really about like what game should i buy and it's because i learned about those games elsewhere but i know you've been uh, on twitch for years at this point and i know you kind of use it uh, you i know you use it quite i think it's daily at this point uh not these days it was more so a couple months ago uh but but at least it's it's more than a lot every week Right, it's more than like uh, two or three times per week for sure. Yeah. So there's like basically four things I do on Twitch. Uh, the first is watch esports. Uh, so whenever there's esports events, either in League of Legends or Overwatch mostly, I'll tune in and watch those because they're usually streamed live on Twitch. Although Overwatch League is beginning and they are only streaming on MLG.com, which is really weird. And their app is basically a copy of the Twitch app. Except it says MLG everywhere, but okay, sure, whatever. You're owned by Blizzard, I understand, but okay. Uh, so there's that. There is um, whenever friends I have, so people in my Destiny clan, we are all a bunch of snobby gamers who have very specific taste in games. So occasionally people... Am I surprised? Am no, I surprised? But it, Thank you. occasionally they stream while they're playing games and like two or three of us of the clan wind up in chat and we end up like cheering on our friends while they're playing a game and sucking at a boss. Uh, so that's just fun. Like hanging out with friends that are playing and being able to join into their experience is fun from time to time. Uh, if for destiny in particular, um, so there's sort of a couple things going on there. Uh, 
I just tune in from time to time because, like, one of my favorite streamers, Dado, has a clan which he gets very well along with, and hearing them talk to each other is very entertaining. So it's sort of like that group ambience that's really interesting. And also, uh, every couple months, there's a new raid in Destiny, and there's a race for World First. And everybody gets on the starting line at the same time and all of the streamers try to see who is the going to be the first to figure out all of the puzzles in the raid and sometimes i have to shut my eyes because my clan is also trying to play the raid blind without knowing any of the mechanics so we can figure out the puzzles for ourselves which is a very fun thing to do however it's also really fun to see people like trying a bunch of random shit and hitting their head against the wall it's sometimes it's more fun to watch somebody else to do it than to do it yourself. Um, and then there's sort of like what I do most of the time, which is just watching League of Legends streamers, uh, in particular Pokemon and, uh, Lily Pichu. And what I really like about League in particular, which is going to sound very strange the way I'm going to say it, is that so little happens in the, each game of League of Legends that they have so much time to actually let their personalities come through. And that makes it sound like, wow, this game must be really boring to watch. And I mean, like, sure, like, there's nothing that's going to happen for the first 11 minutes, probably. Um, I should point out that League of Legends games usually last around 25 to 40 minutes on average for, um, for the average player. Uh, so, like, there's always the laning phase, which is like 10 minutes at the start of the game where nothing happens. And then a lot of dead time between different phases of the game because it's more of a strategy game than anything else um and so i just really like those people that i find their personality is entertaining and because the game is somewhat boring to watch it actually gives them time to be interesting personalities between stuff happening in the game and that just gives me a way to hang out with people that are cool virtually Good, and I think I want to revisit one of the points you mentioned that I started to realize uh, maybe two two days ago is the aspect about watching friends play. And of course, since I'm new to Twitch, like I know nobody, and I don't know any of my friends, like, except maybe like I haven't watched any of your stream, to be honest. I, I think I haven't rewatched our episodes like on Twitch, maybe listen to them, the audio, but I don't think we I watch the stream in the archive itself but the aspect where the fun aspect i would say of just watching somebody else play a video game remind of me of time when we were i would say kids kids and teenagers where you you and your friends had time to sit together in the same room because you were bored of homework and stuff like that and just play a game and sometimes like you're not and you're not the one playing the game but you're also are also experiment uh, experimenting the game experiencing uh, yes yeah, sorry experiencing the game a good example of that is i want to replay uh the last of us and since since i got the ps4 to play the remaster and also play the dlc but every time i'm try to start a game Tony is always no 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 we should like play together aka he should watch me because he knows he knows that this game is so stressful that he won't be able to play it himself but just watching me experiencing it is more than enough for him uh to 
just enjoy The Last of Us. He, like, he loves this game, but he never touched a controller and played it himself. Another, exper- another experience I had that reminded me when I started to watch some streams were Final Fantasy X and X-2. I <laughs> seriously never played that game, but you cannot imagine how many hours of gameplay that I've seen because I just went to a friend's place and that's the game they had for years in MPS2 and they were like, my fr- my old friend and his brother was just playing that all the time. Like all the time. So it's in, it's funny because now I really want to play it to experience it like fully and just like bringing up my clan and all of the like Final Fantasy stuff you do. But this game, it is really something I experience by watching people and watching streamers at this point. Yes, it's to learn about games I want to buy, but this brought me back to times where I was doing that with friends physically. But now I can do that at every time of the day on any game that people want to stream. And I'm sure if I have like a, a more obscure game, I'm sure there's at some point in the day somebody around the globe that would like to do that. And that like quite excites me to be honest. Like at some point if I want to do that myself and like provide a stream to others because I know maybe I'm late to the game and I want to stream one of a story based game that usually are from what I've understood, usually story-based games are streamed mostly more close to their launch, and then the more the game ages, the less streams there are about it. Yeah, there, there's a reason that like the top 10 Twitch games are almost always multiplayer games, and often esports as well. It's because those games basically never stop being relevant, whereas story games, there's a, going to be a peak, and afterwards it's probably only going to be speedrunners that are going to be streaming the game. Right, because I do expect that there's a lot of people that that are like me that either they don't want to play the game or they're unsure about the game that just got released and they want to see if it's worth their time, right? So maybe it's just worth their time watching it on Twitch and not exploring it themselves. I should also point out that there's a distinction between like two classes of streamers on Twitch. Uh, There's... um dedicated game streamers like Datto is pretty much always going to stream destiny pokey is almost always going to stream league of legends like they have their games that they are very comfortable in and they play those games on stream and they never really get out of it or if they do it's like a special occasion and they will tweet about it and make a youtube video about it and it's like one of the big weird things that happened this year on their stream um and there's variety streamers where their entire thing is let's check out the latest game that came out this week. And I'm going to play through it because I play everything. And like variety streamers are incredibly popular because they tend to have very eccentric personalities and they find a way to get that to fit into whatever game they're playing. Whereas I think uh, dedicated game streamers, they are more true to themselves because they know that the people who are watching them are there more for them and the game and, to be with other people who enjoy that game. Whereas the other one, it's really more like you are here for entertainment value or for the knowledge of if this game is worth your time or not, and stuff like that. Hmm. Interesting. At this point, now that we're starting to talk about the types of streamer, there's also a shit ton I don't understand about Twitch. Hmm. Interesting. This is the part I was looking forward to. Yes, and the reason why I'm bringing it up now, because usually when you're a watcher so 
you're somebody just in front of their iPad or desktop, there's ways to interact with the streamer. <laughs> and there's also kind of like, like, un, like, non, like, rules that you should know if you want to interact with people. Of course, there's like, are there of, really? <laughs> It seems from what you told me that there's some like unwritten rules that I should somewhat know. It, it's Maybe not really sometimes... rules so much as there is a very strange culture around Twitch chat. And I mean, like, I spend a lot of time on Twitch, but I don't understand half the shit that Twitch chat says <laughs> because a lot of it is built on memes that I was never there for. And I don't understand the memes. <laughs> Okay, you, it's it's reassuring. So if you're not if I, if you have understand it after years of being on Twitch, I'm reassured. But I'm but reassured. you can go into your uh, your examples of stuff you find concerning or weird. Um, I would say let's start with the first thing I had was like when somebody mentioned emotes, I was like, what the fuck is that? And then I realized, oh, it's their emoticon slash emoji for Twitch. Yeah, which. I don't know how, I don't know why, but sometimes they appear in the stream. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that's not because of the chat, really. That's because somebody gave money to the streamer. Yeah, I kind of assumed that there was like, and, and the, the money part is also vague to okay, me. Okay, so I, I can explain sort of the relations between all of these things. So th- first of all, there's Twitch chat, which is a normal IRC chat room. Uh, except your username is your Twitch username, but you can literally log into an IRC client and see Twitch chat. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, there are emotes. Emotes are basically just like their custom emoji or whatever. Uh, what makes these different is that there are no uh, preceding or trailing characters to say that this is an emote. So usually you just type out the word that it is. Um, and what makes this unique is if you subscribe to a stream, which means pay a monthly fee to support a streamer. Um, okay, well, wait, 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 maybe you'll conc- uh, maybe you'll explain more, but there's a difference between subscribing and following. Yes, if- yes. Okay. So f- following is just, I want to be notified when the streamer is live. Uh-huh. Then subscribing is, I will pay a monthly subscription fee to the streamer in exchange for emotes that are specific to their stream that I can use in any Twitch chat. So, for example, huh. I subscribe to Pokemon Stream. I have, I think, 16 different emotes that I can use in any Twitch stream, but I only have them because I subscribe to her stream. So okay. I can go into someone else's chat and spam Poke ASMR, and everybody will see it, but I, I, if I'm the only person who subscribes to her, I'm the only one in the chat who can use it. And if they type Poke ASMR, it just says the word Poke ASMR in chat, <laughs> which is funny sometimes. Okay, and... I think it will diverge the discussion about the Twitch culture itself, but so when you subscribe to somebody, it does mean that they will get money. Like that's the way you kind of uh, like that is the primary way the streamers make money on Twitch, right? So it's kind of the pa- Patreon way, but on Twitch. Yeah, pretty much. And I think they get something like probably seventy percent of their subscription rate. They get uh, usually this is five dollars a month. Uh, but occasionally there are deals. Uh, there's also tier two and tier three subs, which are a new thing that I don't really know that much about, but I think like they're $15 or $25 a month subscription levels and you can get extra emotes or whatever if you do it. Generally not worth it, 
But again, like certain streamers gate off their archives to only tier three streamers, which is kind of a shitty thing to do, but whatever. Um, there's also bits, which is another way to give money, uh, which is sort of a hack around mobile devices. Well, let's be honest, the iPhone, not letting them, uh, charge in app purchases basically the way they wanted to. So bits are basically, uh, a virtual currency that is sort of a middleman between you and a streamer. So you can pay uh, 25 bucks to get, let's say, 3,000 bits on Twitch, and then you can give bits to streamers, and they will get 70% or whatever of that money goes to them. Um, oh, it's kind of circumvent the in-app, uh, the in-app purchase. Yeah, so rules. you go to, like, I think it's bits.twitch.tv to go buy bits, and then you can use bits in the app that you've already purchased in the website, which is sort of the hack, because before, if you had donation links or whatever, you would get rejected on the App Store because Apple... Uh, there's also donations, which is literally just a PayPal link that gives them donations, but they usually have Twitch alerts or whatever, pop a notification on screen if somebody donates. And on top of that, like generally streamers will have an overlay, which is on top of their stream, uh, which everyone has a different overlay and a lot of them do not look very good. Uh, but occasionally there's going to be like top donator of the day or latest donation or latest subscriber and all that stuff. Uh, which is basically just to thank people who gave them money tr- throughout the stream. Like, it is very hard to watch a Twitch stream where you are not constantly being reminded that people are giving money to these streamers. And sometimes it can get a little bit uncomfortable because there are people dumping tons of money on the streamer and they don't know what to do. Uh, but yeah. Okay, and all of this is kind of driven because I've seen a lot of PC gamers, but also like there's a lot of console gamers. And at this point, when people want to do that they don't really use the uh in os sharing features they really like use capture cards and pc that drives the software and all of this yeah there is a certain expectation of what a twitch stream looks like amongst the community and i personally do not like the format we talked about it on the episode we did about twitch and youtube gaming before um where i complained that basically like 70% of every stream is just people thanking for donations uh and this is certainly still true today except to a certain extent, if the formula works, people want to stick to it because it's what they've grown used to and what they expect. And people get really angry if you don't thank them for their donations on stream, <laughs> which honestly, like, get over it, but whatever. Hey, come on. If you can receive uh, five, five, $5 every time you say thank you, you'll be rich, my friend. Look, I almost died the first time Pokey said my name on stream, but I don't care. If she said tomorrow, like, we're never going to thank people for donations ever again, like, I would be fine <laughs> because it would actually increase the quality of her stream significantly. Yeah, I couldn't, I could expect, and you did mention that in the previous episode, that some big stream is just, like, saying thank you every, like, half a millisecond. Pretty much. Okay, so if we go back a step again, and uh, we did uh, and cover, so we were talking about... Uh, the chat and then the streamers and then am i forgetting something here the app uh yes before we move to the apps of course mm. i don't think so right no because i complain about this chat uh, yes so now we are at the level of apps and before we go at apps because apps i really want to do a comparison with another service dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I was reminded, and Nick was also reminded, that there is competition in this world. Uh, is there really? And that's a good point because YouTube gaming uh, is dead. And no, and it's interesting to get your opinion behind it because I think Google was putting 
big money behind it to kind of tie to dethrone Twitch, especially considering that they tried to buy at them and it didn't work. So yeah, there's YouTube gaming. According to Yannick, it's dead. And I would like to understand why. Because that was unclear to me why it's dead. It's felt to me that there was still you a lot really of people on it. You really haven't been paying attention to like any YouTube news recently, have you? It, yes, but then all of the like demonetations and stuff applies to gaming, uh, YouTube gaming too? It applies especially to YouTube gaming. Huh. Because it quite makes sense then. if you consider the fact that gamers are horrible people. So l- l- <laughs> let me explain this up front. It, wow. I was planning to save this for the episode I was going to do about uh, YouTube, uh, like about my YouTube series uh, during the start of the year, but I'll do it now because it fits more here. Um, so basically, the idea behind uh, demonetization, I'll, I'll give a brief summary for people who know nothing about it, which some of our listeners don't. Uh, you can put ads on videos on YouTube, and that is monetization. And the problem is uh, some YouTube channel decided to monetize a terrorism video. And some newspaper saw a Pepsi ad on a terrorism video, and they wrote an article about it, and they said, Oh my god, Pepsi is sponsoring terrorism videos on YouTube. And what that caused that Pepsi is a panic. And they were like, what the fuck, YouTube? Why did you put our ad on a terrorism video? We're going to threaten to remove all of our advertising from YouTube. And YouTube was like, well, okay, we're going to write a machine learning thing that is automatically going to identify problematic videos and demonetize them. Now, if you've been paying attention to machine learning news in the past few months, <laughs> I know we're going with um, this. You may be aware that sometimes machine learning is not perfect, and uh, but in, in the case of gaming, I think it sort of got it right. So you have a lot of gamers on YouTube who have either extremely dangerous slash racist uh, pol- political views. Yes, I think we can think about one. Swedish guy. <coughs> yeah, the the number one streamer on YouTube. What the fuck? Uh, yes. Yeah. So there, there's those people. There's the gamer gators who are. Uh, we need to uh, get women out of the gaming industry because they are horrible people. Uh, this is not my opinion. This is theirs. Which, let's be honest, the the reality is the inverse of the statement. We should encourage diversity in the industry. The, that is no, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. The, 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 the inverse of this event is like, no, it's the gamer gates that are terrible, not the women. Yeah, so, Come on. So, like, the demographic of gamers has such a concentration of horrible people that I can understand a machine learning thing going, huh, there's a lot of very bad stuff in this gaming category. Maybe we should just demonetize the whole gaming category. And that is more or less what has happened over the past few months. The problem is it started spiraling out of control and then sort of everything started getting demonetized on YouTube except for, like, makeup videos, which is weird. Uh, right. The reason why I'm asking you to explain the video game aspect is because all of the news I heard about it is some of the car YouTubers that I watched are complaining about it, or there's a lot of news about it in the LGBT world, right? A lot of yeah. LGBT folks that were having a good living on YouTube are starting to get demonetized because they're like, I don't know, like, because somewhere, somewhere a machine that was, I don't think it's the machine learning. I think it's really, or let's, let's put it this way. It's a machine learning, like, 
some kind it's learning bad things from human and well, saying that uh, here's a challenge for the programmers and the audience write a machine learning thing that is able to tell the difference between a good usage of the word gay and a bashing use of the word gay and good luck like oh yeah totally but that's it also more or less what the algorithm is doing here and i can understand how it got there it's just that it shouldn't have gotten there Oh yeah, and uh, that's why I was I really wanted to, you to go on a bit more on this, uh, because mostly what I heard was car people and L- the people from the LGBT community. So it was like, if now what I understand it, it applied to everybody. Yes, it's just that I didn't heard about those and, and like es- other especially people. in gaming, it is incredibly rough. If you are basically a gaming YouTuber right now, you are having a very hard time getting your videos to not get demonetized because they immediately get demonetized as soon as they are about a video game, which makes me happy that I don't monetize any of my videos, to be honest. Um, but the problem doesn't stop at YouTube demonetization itself because there's another problem, which is Nintendo. Uh, so this was in the news recently as well. Uh, Nintendo's uh, Nintendo had this thing where they said, if you use YouTube and monetize videos about our games... Uh, we want a cut of that money, first of all. And, like, just that idea made streamers and YouTubers furious to begin with. But they also said, oh yeah, by the way, you cannot stream Nintendo games on YouTube gaming. And since they are tied directly to your YouTube account, they know if you're streaming a Nintendo thing. Whereas if you stream on Twitch, like, they can't do anything because they don't have a deal with Twitch. So, there is zero incentive for anyone who wants to do anything about Nintendo games to do anything on YouTube gaming. And, unfor- well, fortunately, Nintendo is having a great year with the Switch, so they're very happy about that. But unfortunately, that means that streamers on YouTube are not going to talk about the Switch on streams because they can't stream those games without getting into trouble with Nintendo and having the rest of their livelihood on Nintendo games on YouTube being in trouble. Hmm. Which is a very weird issue. No, and I think the we're maybe going away about the topic of me being introduced to Twitch, but I think what I understand is people that make a living on Twitch is more close, closely resembled people making a living on Patreon. It's like their fan giving them money. Less rely, not relying too much on ads being sold on their content compared to when you go to YouTube, even if it's YouTube gaming, YouTube equals ads, so you make money through ads. Well, YouTube gaming has stolen a lot of Twitch features. So, for example, bits are, I think they're called Super Chat on YouTube Live, where you can basically pay to promote chat messages to the top of the thing, and it is effectively exactly the same thing as bits, the way it's presented in the user interface. Uh, it's just called Super Chat. Um, you can subscribe to people on YouTube gaming now and pay a monthly fee to actually support them. Uh, so you can do these things with YouTube gaming, but nobody streams on YouTube gaming, so it doesn't matter. Like, absolutely no one notable is streaming on YouTube gaming. The only people who do are people who got banned off Twitch. And it's only a matter of time until they get banned on YouTube gaming, to be honest, probably. Uh, so, I don't know. It, it's a very hard sell for YouTube gaming. I think the way that they do things, as somebody who produces content for YouTube that is gaming-related, I think it's just a bad experience from the side of the content creators where you basically, the only control you have over how your gaming videos are presented on YouTube gaming 
is the field that lets you say what game it is. And if the game isn't there, like, good shit, like, good luck actually categorizing it as a game because the game isn't listed, you can't do anything about it. Um, so it's just, like, a bad experience compared to Twitch where you have so much control about how you present yourself on Twitch. You have control over how you want to make money on Twitch. Like, nothing on Twitch actually bans you from putting a link to your PayPal or putting a link to Patreon or anything like that. Whereas even now on YouTube, there are certain restrictions which certain amount of you, uh, certain users ab- uh, below a certain amount of views on their videos are not allowed to post links to Patreon at all on their videos. Hmm. And it's just very strange. Oh, that's quite interesting. And all of this is, all of this is to say is to us to make a comparison of Twitch and YouTube gaming. And now I better understand why. Uh, yeah, kind of YouTube gaming went down the tube quite quickly. But as a newcomer, it's quite interesting to see because it seems vibrant from the outside when you start to look at it. But from what I understand is all of the shiny new things should be on Twitch and always will be, at least for the near future. A lot of people try to uh, multi-stream to multiple websites and they very quickly give up on it because first of all, now people expect you to be checking all the chats on all the websites, which, like, you already have trouble keeping up with Twitch chat. You're not going to keep up with YouTube chat and, like, hitbox chat or whatever. Uh, good luck. But that's kind of, that's kind of crazy. So, like, for action games, if people expect to look at the chat while you're, like, being in the action, that's kind of crazy. And I saw sometimes people just, like, at least in the streams I watch, like, people just stop, take maybe a couple of seconds to follow up with the stream and then continue with the game. Yeah, but you would be shocked at some of the things that people do, like, on first-person shooter streams or whatever. Like, some people are really, really good at reading Twitch chat, and I don't know how they do it. Good. Do you want to add more about YouTube gaming, or should we talk about the iOS apps? (laughs) We should talk about the iOS apps. Good. Um... I have a couple of comments about, uh, both apps. And I, w- I would, the, the other reason why I wanted to look at YouTube gaming is to look at their, uh, iOS app. And it's quite funny because I, I don't know if YouTube gaming, uh, requires an account to look at the video stuff on iOS. But the fact that it detects your YouTube credentials makes it so easy to just log in and just like, oh, okay, I'll log in with my YouTube account. Done. I believe you don't need an account. Similarly to the normal YouTube app. Which is uh, nice, and I wish uh, Twitch had that, and like you said, it used to add that. What's really strange is the PS4 app for Twitch does not require you to log in. <laughs> okay, uh, super strange. Uh, main gripe I had with both apps. They, like, all of it is gesture-based. It's like super hard to to get. Like it's a, it, There's a big cognitive load to learn an app that is gesture-based. I know gestures are nice. Like, when you learn about it, that, like, I do gesture daily on my phone with the new iPhone. But, if you don't have UI elements telling you to do gesture, it's kind of hard to get it. And even to this day, after a week of using it, at least an hour or two per day, I'm still doing something wrong and I'm tapping it right, or I'm swiping, or I'm trying to hold my iPad, but it detects a like an edge swipe, so it flips to the next channel. I'm like, hey, what the fuck? I was watching. So this redesign went live during the summer, I believe, uh, like right before Games Done Quick, uh, Summer Games Done Quick, and I've been using the app 
multiple times a week since that redesign went live. And I still get fucked up by those gestures. Like, I still can't get the hang of, like, even just, like, minimizing the video to the small player on iPad. I can't figure out half the time how to do it. And it's insane. Uh, I think the, the latest Twitch redesign, and later on I can talk about the older app, because I think the older app was much, much better. Um, it's a disaster. And it also doesn't help that they basically redid the app for the phone, where a lot of design decisions actually are not that bad if you consider them to be used on the phone. But then they just upscaled that to the iPad, and that doesn't work. Hmm. Like a lot of apps these days, it was optimized for the phone, and then got upscaled for... And it used to be much, much worse, because before it was literally the same thing as the phone app. And there were certain features that weren't there on the iPad that were always there on the iPad before, just because they decided to remove them on the phone. And they didn't actually add them back for the iPad or whatever. Like, on the original version, you couldn't actually look at chat in landscape. You could only look at it in portrait because that's how you got it to show up on the phone. And it's still the only way you can get it to show up on the phone. But if you were using the iPad, you couldn't actually have the chat in landscape, which is nuts. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. There's a lot of space for it. And even then, to just kind of, like, all of the controls, and it's, I think it's a button. Yes, it's a button to show the chat, yep. but depending on the mode, it might be on top of the video. But sometimes you might not want it to block the view, so you want to resize, and the resizing is a gesture, or it's a button and a gesture. Uh, all of this, all of this is quite confusing to me. And as a big iOS user, it's it is uh, you feel dumb when you use it because, like, I'm used to the way iOS apps should work, right? And now you go in these apps, and I think in past episode when we were talking about Snapchat and latest situation of uh, Instagram, like those are quite like gesture heavy. And when you miss a gesture, like when you have it, when you make it right, it's amazing. But when you miss a gesture, you always feel dumb because it makes sense that the computer reacts to your movement. But when you don't do the right movement, then you expect the computer to do something and it does not. And like, what the fuck, right? Like, there's no reaction and you're pissed because at some point there's no button. You just see, oh, I know this icon of this text. It will do X. I'm pressing on it and it reacts. Uh, unless you want to say anything else about the gesture-based UI, I'll move to iOS feature integration. Well, actually, I do want to mention that the old version of the app was gesture-based, but it was just the right amount of gestures, and it never felt like a pain to use. Whereas the new one, they just put gestures everywhere they could, and they're never explained to you, first of all, so that doesn't help. Uh, it is, they are explained on the... I don't know why, on the iPhone version. I've installed it today, and I don't know why. The tutorial showed up after I first log in, and I was like, what what are those like tool tips and like kind of uh, just like views showing you how to swipe properly i never seen those on the ipad so i don't know why i didn't see that on my ipad when i first installed it but on my phone they showed up mm, okay well so hopefully it's a bug and they will fix it because it, then it was really useful because they show you what to do Okay, well, as someone who never actually saw those tooltips anywhere, um, I can tell you that it is not easy to figure all this shit out. And especially when, like, they've removed stuff that was in the old version, you're like, hmm, I wonder how this is. Uh, but yeah, it, it, 
overall it is a downgrade from the old version and I understand that they wanted to put like more features into it, but I don't feel like anything they've added is actually worth the cost that we lost. And I guess we should just move on to uh, feature integration. Right. Uh, regarding regarding feature integration, I would like to mention kind of for both apps, it's kind of a it's a tie here because I love that Twitch supports picture in picture. Yes. It's one of the rare apps I use. By the way, speak of picture in picture, uh, did you realize that sometimes when you go back to the home screen, so you're watching a video and you press home and you go to the home screen, the video stops. Yes. So you have to play press play again and it for it to work. I don't know why it's doing that. All of the apps, all of the three apps that does picture in picture, they all do that. I don't know if it's an iOS limited. I would guess so because if all of the apps I use that implemented picture picture does so i would say it's a limitation of it i don't know why but it's so annoying but ignoring that picture picture in a video app on ios is just amazing and i wish more apps <coughs> youtube would do it uh compared to that as an iphone 10 user um youtube gaming is already optimized to iphone 10 what that's nice wow that's surprising coming from google i know and let me look at it right now twitch is still not so that is uh, a bit sad, but if I had to choose, I'll take picture in picture before being fully optimized on the full screen because I usually watch video way more often on my iPad compared to my phone. Um, I know we speak, we spoke a lot about, uh, like streaming features of iOS and that I haven't tried because I haven't streamed anything yet. Uh, but you, we did mention in the past episode that Twitch was kind of having a political decision of not supporting replay kit compared to YouTube gaming. Yeah, something like you that. Mentioned, yeah, they, yeah, you mentioned that. They basically said like we disagree with the usage of HTTP live streaming for replay kit, and therefore we are not going to support it. And okay, sure, whatever. So they are just holding off until uh, replay kit is able to stream via RTMP media streaming. Which good luck with that. <laughs> that's not going to happen, but okay. Right, and at that point, uh, YouTube Gaming supports it, if I recall Yes, correctly. it does. So, all of this is to say, as a user, uh, Twitch iOS integration is better, but as a streamer, you might want to look at a YouTube Gaming, even if it's dead. But you're still probably going to be hooking up your iOS device to a computer and using OBS to stream, because that is what Twitch people expect you to do. Good. Uh, last one, at least, is not regarding iOS integration, unless you added have to something to add to it. Uh, no, I think I'm good. Um, the last thing is really about the integration in between. I know YouTube Gaming and the regular YouTube. It's something I like, I had just like realized a couple of minutes before starting to record because I was watching the uh, Ingress Prime teaser. And now that YouTube knows that I'm also on YouTube's gaming, it will put feature card about the game itself in the video description to make you jump to YouTube gaming. And that integration is quite neat, to be honest. The fact that I could be watching others' video about, maybe it's a video review of a game that also links to their, to the live stream aspect of YouTube was quite fascinating to me. Like, it, it is a nice integration to it. Of course, it's something I would expect from Google. But the fact, of course, the fact that Google owns both products, it's both of their products, they could do that. And I could, which, what would me, 
what makes me thinking is that the fact I could be watching a review and then realize, oh yeah, I would want to know more about this game. And then I just click on it and see what are the available streams that I could watch right now to, like I said, experience the game in the real day-to-day life. Yeah, that that only works if they actually tag their video with the correct game, which again, like, if the game isn't listed on YouTube Gaming, like, tough shit, you can't actually do anything about it. Uh, but yeah, whenever I post a video for Swan Song, I try to tag it with the correct game so I can have that for free. Um, but since the Wonder Swan is a dead system that nobody liked, their games are rarely there. Hmm. And that's it for the app feature I wanted to talk is there anything else you want to mention about app features? Mm, not really. Good. I, actually, so, I, I do want to oh, add one thing, which is uh, there is an iMessage app for Twitch. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. So you can use any of the Twitch emotes that are available by default in iMessage as stickers, or you can use any of the emotes for uh Twitch channels you've subscribed to, which means I could go spam Pokey ASMR in an iMessage, except I won't because you'll never receive it because iMessage. Oh, yeah, I can see that now. Huh. Nice. Okay, that's good. Even if nobody uses iMessage apps, but that's okay. <laughs> um, do you want to tackle anything else regarding Twitch? Because I think I'm quite done. Uh, the, the Twitch UI as a streamer is complete garbage, and I have been saying this for so many years, and nobody will ever listen to me, but it's true. Uh, it is hell to manage anything on Twitch if you are a streamer, and I would love it if they would just redo it. It's also sort of kind of crazy that you can't use the desktop Twitch app to stream on Twitch. Like, that seems like something super obvious, but they are not doing that. Uh, what's the purpose of the desktop app then? It's a chat client. Oh, it's all. Really? It's also a web view that lets you watch Twitch. Uh, 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 I think it doesn't compute right now. So it's a web app. Yeah, yeah. yeah that it, is a desktop app that you can just go in the desktop. It, it's actually it's actually two separate apps in one. So they acquired an app called Curse, which is basically Discord except with a different logo. And okay, they the original version of the Twitch app was just Curse with a purple skin. And then they were like, huh, it's really weird. Nobody is using this Switch app. Maybe it's because there are no streams in it. And then they were like, okay, maybe <laughs> we should just like put a little bit more CSS on Twitch.tv and then ship that as the other half of the application. So somewhere in the app, since they released this version, there is a button that lets you switch back and forth between chat mode and stream mode. And I couldn't find the button, but I know technically both of them are there. And if you're on a PC, it also serves as a game store because Amazon is selling games through Twitch now. And if you buy a game through Twitch via a streamer that you were watching, the streamer gets a cut, which is kind of a cool business model, actually. Huh, that's true. Quite interesting. So all of this is to say that my last week and a half of experience with Switch was quite positive. And I'm sure with all of what I've heard from Yannick for the last few years, I think this uh, will grow uh, in uh, the next coming in the coming months. Uh, also, personally, I know that I'm game in phases. So I'll like just like usually December is a time where work slows down a bit because of the holidays between Christmas and the new year. I also have some time off. So usually it's mostly for gaming. So I know this comes in periods throughout the year. But I know that if I, if I 
keep Twitch uh, installed, it will kind of be like, oh yeah, I need to go through Twitch a bit. Like, I start, let's stop watching car videos on YouTube and just like go see what's the new shit uh, on video game in the video game world right now. And I'm sure Twitch could be a great source for it. Spoilers: It's PUBG and clones of PUBG. <laughs> oh well, maybe I'll watch people uh, play PUBG. Play PUBG. <laughs> I haven't done that yet. I haven't done that yet. I, I thought you did. I thought one of our friends from school actually played PUBG oh, on Twitch and you watched them. That's true. Then I lied. I'm sorry. You're right. You're a true bro gamer now. Oh my. And I think we'll end on this. All right. So you can find all the show notes for today's episode on limitlesspossibility.net slash 78. Or you can find all of our episodes at limitlesspossibility.net. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast. Or you can find all of us individually on Twitter. I am at Sakarina. That's S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A. And you can find the at Lukonosh. That's L-U-C-C-O-N-O-U-C-H-E. And who knows? I might be streaming soon. Mm. Maybe not. But we'll see. See you in two weeks. See you in two weeks. <laughs>